Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with natural fertility expert, Nat Kringoudis. With over 17 years experience in the health and wellness arena, a trained acupuncturist, a TCM practitioner, author, speaker, and now Australian's distributor of Daisy, Nat is an industry leader in the women's health field. Today, we spoke about fertility awareness method, what the Daisy is, who can use it, and how this device can be used to empower your fertility journey, regardless of whether falling pregnant is one of your goals. If you have any questions about what Nat and I discuss, I would absolutely love if you would jump over and say hi to one of us on Instagram. Hi, Nat, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. I'm so excited to chat to you today. So we're going to be talking all about fertility awareness method and also the DAISY, which I'm very excited to share all about. Before we get into today, I'd just love if you could share a bit of an intro as to you, your background for anyone that hasn't heard of you um, and also what you're doing today. Absolutely. Um, my name's Nat Kringudis, obviously. I'm a women's health expert and I've been in the industry for 17 or so years helping women understand their bodies better. My background is Chinese medicine and I am a qualified herbalist and have also studied acupuncture. And which is how I've treated and supported patients for many years. Probably around 15 years ago, I really started stepping up when it came to women's health because there were so many women that had unanswered questions in reference to the symptoms that they were experiencing. And I didn't have answers and they didn't have answers and their health providers didn't have answers. And, you know, what I realized pretty quickly was that a lot of the symptoms that women were speaking of were a direct relation to their lifestyle and modern living and medicine and science hadn't put that together yet. And a lot of the things that we talk about now that we take for granted at the time were not accepted to be a factor when it came to women's hormones. So once I started to connect those dots and I practiced as practitioners do on a lot of people, you know, and having those transparent conversations with patients saying, I don't really know, but I suspect this is what's going on for you. And being able to take them on a, a path of discovery about their own body and their own hormones, you know, we word grew very quickly that there was someone out there that was doing this for women. And it was a very different space 15 years ago to go to your uh, alternative healthcare provider or even a doctor that actually listens to you or is happy to integrate services is definitely uh, less foreign than what it was 15 years ago, but it's still, you know, there's still a, a gap that still needs to be bridged. So it's been a pleasure to be able to help connect the dots for women more than anything, to be able to not second guess their symptoms, to be empowered by what their body is actually telling them, to not fear symptoms because we do that as women, especially we look at our reproductive system as too hard basket and we love to blame it on hormones. But 
what does that mean? It's 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 fine as if that's fine for you and you want to live like that, but most women actually do want answers. So it's definitely been a process and and I would say you say right place, right time, but I guess you put yourself in a position to be in the right place at the right time and being able to ride that wave when it comes to alternative healthcare for women. It's been a real pleasure to do that. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine 15 or so years ago, it would have been very different to what it is now. (laughs) I mean, when people would say, and this is before I'd studied acupuncture, what do you do? And I'd say I'm a herbalist. And it was literally like, do you have a cauldron in your backyard? Like, do you brew up stuff? And is your specialty spells? And it's like, (laughs) no, space medicine has been around for a really long time, but we've not necessarily embraced it or had the research behind it until more recent times. And it's so great that we're able to integrate health on many levels, health, you know, and symptoms and, and being able to get to the bottom of that in many ways. There's not one way to do anything. And why would your health be any different? Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot more with Instagram and also just the evolution, a lot more people discussing women's health now. But as you would know from clinic, there's still a very big gap, I find. Yeah, there really is a very, very big gap. And I think often also until we're either in a position where we might hear something and it just clicks for us Mm. or we have a known challenge, whether it's endometriosis or PCOS or some type of diagnosis, we're thrown into then researching and learning, even though there's lots of us that have been over here. And I laugh, I'm like, we've been banging this drum over here for quite a while, guys. You know, it's a bit lonely over here for a long time. And I love the fact that there's so much more conversation around it now because it takes the stigma out of it. It takes the taboo of talking about periods and cycles and hormones. And we can have these honest conversations because they do happen. We do have these problems and it is time that we're, we should feel, feel safe talking about it. Um, before we get into sort of talking about the daisy today, I'd love if you could give us, for someone that's never heard about that, an overview as to what the fertility awareness method is and just sort of for context your infertile and fertile periods of the month and what that is all about. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, just straight up, first of all, the DAISY is a femtech device that allows you to track your cycles because you are inputting your own body's data every single day. And there are a lot of apps and there are a lot of methods out there Then they're not necessarily wrong and they're not necessarily incorrect, but they're not often, they're not correct either. So you know, if you're relying on something like an app where you're putting in your information every day, that's great to track your information, but please never allow it to predict when you're going to ovulate or when you're going to get a period, because unless you are actually putting in raw data from your body in terms of your basal body temperature, then it's only predicting when it thinks you will ovulate based on the previous cycle, which can be a disaster because contrary to what we're taught, we don't all ovulate on cycle day 14. In fact, only around 10% of women actually ovulate on day 14, which is mind-blowing in itself because we're taught we ovulate on day 14. And that's ridiculous because we're all different. We respond mostly to our environment, our lifestyle and our surroundings, and your body is then able to adapt to what it can do in any given moment. So for every woman, we let's say in a perfect world, we have a period for somewhere between five to seven days. And the first day of our period is the first day of our cycle. A lot of women track it from the last day of their bleeding, which is wrong. It's the first day where you have flow. And so 
let's say, yeah, again, perfect world. So five to seven days of bleeding. And then what you'll notice is that there's not much there up until you start to show signs of fertility. And that is usually marked by fertile mucus or changes to your, your cervical fluid. So whilst you might see cervical fluid throughout the entire month, the cervical fluid that you see when you are getting ready to ovulate or ovulating is very different from anything else you'll see any other time of the month. The trick I teach women is that your fertile mucus generally feels wet and cold down there. You have thousands of nerve endings at the opening of the vagina and cervix that allow you to feel this sensation, but most of us haven't been taught this. So we're not even connected enough to be able to feel or sense ovulation. We rely on a predictor kit test or um, our app telling us, and it's not that they're wrong, but they often do fail. So we want correct information, which is based on many, many months and many, many cycles to allow us to really understand our body patterns. So typically we ovulate, which obviously you need to ovulate when the egg is released for conception to occur, but also knowing this information, if you don't want conception to occur, means that you don't put yourself in a position where that can happen, whether that's refraining from sex, barrier methods, withdrawal, whatever works for you. And we can talk more about that. And then you're typically not fertile until you repeat the process again. So for the rest of the month, you won't have, um, a, you won't generally be in that position because you've ovulated. I think the other thing a lot of women don't realize is that they can attempt to ovulate several times in a month before they actually do. And this can be a shock to many women. And one of the reasons why women either aren't falling pregnant or find themselves with a surprise pregnancy. And so it's not that you keep on ovulating, it's that you will keep on trying until you actually ovulate. And it's always the last time that you look like you're trying that actually is ovulation. And so if that's happening multiple times in a cycle, it can tell you so much about what's going on in your body, but it's also really important if you want to practice fertility awareness. And that's just literally being aware of when your body might be fertile and when your body isn't. So there's lots of variations, as you can understand, and you might ovulate, you know, might, might attempt to ovulate a couple of times a month. You might not ovulate at all in a month. It's another conversation as well. But this, this is what devices like the DAISY can help you decipher, especially when, A, you're new at looking at your cycles and charting it. B, maybe you've been on some form of synthetic hormone contraception, which you haven't had the ebbs and flows of ovulation because you don't ovulate when you're on, say, the pill or even the marina, the way that, that that generally works. A lot of women eventually don't ovulate either. And so on the back of using methods like this or devices like an IUD, you can feel very lost because you've had absolutely no connection to a cycle because because you haven't been having one. And a lot of women will be shocked to hear that. They think that whilst they're on the pill, they're ovulating and they're getting a period and they're not. They're getting a withdrawal bleed because they stop hormones when they're taking the sugar pills. And then we repeat the process and you don't get the ebbs and flows whilst you're on the pill. The pill flatlines your hormones to prevent you from falling pregnant. So knowing this information is really important, but then being able to have a device that you can rely on to also learn with, which is what Daisy does, you can learn at the same time about your body rhythms and Daisy can actually tell you what the information that it's it's reading of your body as well. So it's like double whammy. You get both, you get the best of both worlds when you're using something that's tracking your cycle. Yes, definitely. I found I've had mine for I think five, maybe coming up to six years now. And a couple of my the girls in my circle got one as well at the same time and all still use them and those two girls use them also to get pregnant now in our later years so they're amazing 
Um, well, it's a, and the technology <laughs> I think is amazing and the peace of mind is amazing because a lot yes. of women are really scared to use fertility awareness because they don't want to fall pregnant. And it's fascinating to me after years of fertility awareness and not always using the daisy, but using the daisy on and off and in more recent times, definitely using it as my cycles have started to fluctuate as I'm getting older. It's been very empowering, but I also... I'm the other way. I'm like, I look at this and I'm like, how can you not know when you're ovulating? It is so obvious to me. It's blatantly obvious when I'm fertile, but that's also after years of watching and years of being confident. And also, you know, there's different phases of our life. I'm at a phase of my life where I don't want any more children, but if there was an accident, that would be totally fine. It's very unlikely that there would be an accident. I know my body so well that you'd have to get me blind drunk and and some to really, you know, for that to happen. So it's fascinating, but, but also when we have body confidence and we have confidence in ourselves and can trust what we know about ourselves, it's a, a really lovely place to operate from as a woman. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I I got initially that fertility awareness method or book, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Or Taking Charge of Your Fertility, Mm -hmm. perhaps that's the name, years and years ago and, you know, read it front to back. And the reason I got the daisy was just because it provided that additional sort of layer of confidence in doing it, I suppose, and took the onus off me a little bit to be, you know, taking that data myself. Yeah, right. Well, I see, it's funny. I um, Now I love to kind of, I, I, I trust myself more than I trust my daisy, which is ridiculous because it's extremely accurate. But I still like to know that I can see what's going on and I, I still find it extremely fascinating. So it, it is, it's just, it's something that time, it takes time to learn a cycle. Yeah. Other thing I do want to say just with what you touched on, the word fertility is seen as being about having a baby. And again, couldn't be further the way I view that couldn't be further from the truth in the sense that fertility means to me that you have a thriving reproductive system and if you want a baby then you can and if you don't then you don't have to that's but being fertile is is you know far more about your body working as it should as opposed to a pregnancy and I think that's where the problem lies we need a new word for fertility awareness and I don't know what it is but we need something that everybody can identify with that doesn't put it you know people when they say what do you do for work and I say oh, you know fertility expert oh, oh well I'm, I'm I don't need you I'm well beyond that and I'm like well it's not about having babies it's about your body working properly but we definitely see fertility and babies as that you know something that goes part and parcel yeah, definitely. It's it's optimal health, really. I mean, right. at the yeah. core. Yeah, it's just that system working correctly. I just want to circle back quickly to the app side of things that you mentioned. Obviously, there are lots of different apps out there. And like you mentioned, sometimes they're relied on to predict ovulation. I guess, how does that compare if someone were using an ovulation thermometer and were tracking it themselves using an app? like that how would that compare to something yeah, like the great daisy? question i mean i think when you're first starting out taking your basal body temperature is the next step in fertility awareness i'd say the first step of fertility awareness is watching your body rhythms watching your cervical fluid being able to decipher between infertile and fertile days based on that when you want to take that up a notch basal body temperature is excellent but it's extremely temperamental it can vary based on 
there's so many factors that can change your basal body temperature. First things first, if you're just using a regular thermometer and charting your basal body temperature every day, you know, what we're looking out for is just before ovulation, what typically should happen, again, in a textbook case, is that you'll find your body quite, the, the body temperature quite quickly drops and then rises really quickly. And it's at that point that we can say that ovulation has occurred. So you get a dip and a rise and, and you should see a big, what we call a shift in the chart. So where the chart might have been, you know, for the first 14 days or so of the cycle, you might have been idling along at 36 in terms of your basal body temperature, you'll see this definite shift where it'll rise. And we're talking like point something, 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0.4. We're not talking big measurements, but when you're measuring this out, you can definitely see a shift. So where it might have idled at, let's say, for example, 36.3, you get a dip and a rise, and then it idles for the rest of the month somewhere around 36.7, let's say. And we can then see the shift in what ovulation has impacted on the cycle. And that's by the nature of what your hormones are doing. That's in relation to the luteinizing hormone surge that triggers ovulation when we get this dip and rise. And then we have more progesterone or we have progesterone present for the in, in abundance for the first time in the cycle. So this is what allows us to see higher temperatures is because progesterone is warming as a hormone. And so it sees this shift. And so when you first start tracking basal body temperature, it can be extremely stressful and quite gray because you can, if you don't, for, for first of all, if you don't take your temperature at the same time every day upon rising before you get out of bed, that can be a factor. Also, if you haven't slept properly, that can be a factor. So if you've, you know, breastfeeding or you, you don't sleep solidly just because you don't, that can be a factor. If you have been unwell, if you've flown in a plane, if you've traveled, if you've taken medication, if you've had alcohol, drugs, not eaten enough, eaten too much, like it's so varied as to what you've done the day before. And so this becomes stressful for women, I think, because also we often start to track at a time we want to conceive, not just out of curiosity. And I think if we started out of curiosity and we didn't put any pressure on ourselves and we could watch what that looked like, especially as a young woman, that would be a game changer because we'd have years of data and then we'd know and then we'd be able to go, oh, yeah, my temp this morning's a bit high, but I also, you know, I'm a bit, I feel like I'm a bit congested and maybe I'm coming down with something or we can see these shifts. But if we haven't been charting for a long time, it can be very confusing to work out what these little shifts tell us. and. Having said that, I'm talking about textbook cases and most women aren't textbook cases. Their charts can be all over the place. And I did extensive training in fertility awareness over 10 years ago to help me be able to read women's charts, which is amazing. And I love doing that. But women get very stressed out about their charts, which only messes up their charts even more. So effectiveness of just a standard temperature thermometer from the chemist or the supermarket in you inputting that data, whether it's into an app or into a grid or a graph is fine, but the accuracy is questionable if you haven't been doing it for a long time. And I guess that's the difference with DAISY. And there are definitely different devices out there that have been around for a little while and do offer uh, an algorithm and to base it on uh, looking at women's cycles. 
I think where Daisy really excels is that the technology of Daisy is not new. It's around 40 years old. So it's been evolving over 40 years, which is revolutionary in itself. You know, thinking that there was this technology around in the 80s, women actually were carrying, you know, the first form of Daisy was almost like a tiny computer. Uh, and you, you could, it was called the lady comp and you were able to track your cycles more so for fertility is, is the, how it was marketed at the time. But that's grown over the last 40 years. And it's based on at the last, we've always said 5 million women's cycles, but I believe that's been updated to 10 million women's cycles it, as what's formed the algorithm to allow it to be so accurate in being able to pinpoint your fertile and non-fertile phases. In fact, it's it's 99.4% accurate in being able to predict your infertile days, which is a game changer. And I don't believe that any of the other devices that act in a similar way are able to um, make those claims based on the time that has been spent to create and update and continue to um, be at the forefront with this technology. So it is extremely accurate. The things I like about it that differ from what we just spoke about in terms of just simply tracking your temperature is that you don't have to take your temperature at the same time every day. It, it's just before you get out of bed. So if one morning you have a sleep until 10 a.m., that's totally fine. If next morning you're awake at 6, that's no problem, whereas basal body temperature straight up doesn't really allow for you to do that on its own. So that's a win. Other advantages too is that because of the nature of the algorithm, it doesn't require you to have a solid sleep. It, I mean, the more, accurate, more that you can have a solid sleep, the more um, Daisy likes that, but it's not a deciding factor in its accuracy. So for this is great news for breastfeeding mothers, for people that maybe um, don't sleep solidly or that, that within reason shift work, or even just, you know, the nature of uh, ebbs and flows of, of stressful periods in our life. I don't always sleep solidly when I'm stressed, but I know that if I can get a couple of hours that that's enough um, for Daisy and what Daisy needs. So they, this is a game changer as far as I'm concerned uh, that a lot of the other devices in the market don't offer. And it's peace of mind for uh, you know us as women to know that this accuracy is there and, and a device has our back to allow us to, I don't know, just have a little bit more freedom when it comes to fertility awareness. Yeah, definitely. I wasn't aware that it was able to still be accurate when you were getting up and things during yeah, the night because, say, for postpartum mums, that would obviously be, you know, a big deciding factor. So that's great to know. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, I know it is. I mean, and also, I like I said, I've known of the Daisy for many, many years and been associated with the company, but it wasn't until, you know, in recent times, I've been fortunate enough to be the Australian distributor now. And I've been totally blown away by the updates, the continual updates in the technology that it offers. So even the app, if you had of in this is on the record, you'll find this somewhere. I was I was like, I love the technology. I hate the app. Well, the app's been updated, and that wasn't my doing. It was just updated because I think that you know, I don't know how long you've been using it for, but I felt like the app really lacked some depth, and now that's there, which I love. And so, you know, being able to the way that the Daisy works is obviously you press a button and to wake it up, you press it again so that it's activated. You pop it under your tongue. It, it takes between 30 seconds to a minute to read your temperature. And that's all you really need to do until you want to sync it to your app, which you don't have to do every day if you don't want to, to um, sync it and allow you to see your, your chart. And, and you can input other information in, and I would encourage you to input other information into your app, whether it's you know, you're on cycle day three and it's heavy and you have a headache, 
or whether you have a twinge of ovulation pain or whether you feel moody or whatever it might be, you get to input this information. So it not only becomes a device that houses specific information about you, it becomes data storage that you can look back on and assess at times of your life um, where you've gone through changes and things that have occurred. So, you know, there are times where you might choose to not use your DAISY that it, if you, for example, I've been sick and had COVID. So I didn't chart that. I'm actually upset that I didn't chart when I had COVID. I would have loved to have seen where the crazy temperatures got to, but I didn't because I I knew that it would have an impact on the ongoing data of my daisy and it's not normal for me to have COVID. So I hope. So I took those two weeks where I just didn't bother charting. And what's really lovely is it was still, I literally started using it again just before I ovulated. In fact, maybe the day that I ovulated and it knew, it told me I was ovulating and I'm like, you're not wrong. Actually, I can tell I'm ovulating. That blew me away to think that it could still know that about me, but I've been using it for long enough that it's got enough data about me. And the longer you can use it, the more it learns your own body rhythm. And the bit I love is that it will never give you a, it will be very conservative when it comes to your fertile days as it's learning you. So a lot of questions I get, the main question I get actually is, well, what happens if it's telling me I'm infertile, but then I have sex and the next day it tells me I am fertile and it gives a buffer period. It knows. So it gives you plenty of time where it knows that that's potentially could happen and it's not going to actually be an issue if you've had sex yesterday and then you say it tells you you're fertile today it's accounted for a window of time so it's still saying i know you're about to be fertile you're not actually quite yet fertile but if we're using this as fertility awareness i want you to know this information so that if you want to conceive then it's a good time to start but if you don't want to then it'll be a good time to refrain from that yes and it's still color coded as like the green red orange days is that that's right, right. so yeah. yeah i love that you've asked that so as daisy learns you you have more fluctuate call them fluctuating days days where it's not sure your fertility status so it'll give you an orange day to say kind of like, "Mm, I'm not sure you need to be aware that I'm not sure. This is the part that you've got to really stretch your mind about. When you are ovulating, that is when you are fertile, Daisy gives you a red day or red days. And when you are not fertile, Daisy gives you green days. Now you do the work because (laughs) green means go and red means don't go. And so Daisy's designed to really prepare you for your infertile periods of time, if that makes sense. So, you know, whilst it's geared towards conception and fertility it's really being conservative and showing you because it's it's whilst we can't call it a contraception as we've spoken we can talk more about that fertility awareness is more about knowing when you're fertile and when you're not and you can do whatever you like with that information yes i love that and can we talk about the contraception side of things and sort of how it can compare to maybe other methods like IUDs or the oral contraceptive? Of course. So we can't call DAISY a contraception because a contraception is something that is either a synthetic hormone, a barrier method, or a fitted intrauterine device like an IUD. And so DAISY is not any of those things. And so that's why we can't call it contraception. But you know, in terms of comparing its efficacy and, you know, like I said, it's 99.4% effective at 
predicting your infertile days. And so when you compare that to other methods, I mean, you're not having synthetic hormones, you're having body awareness and knowing when you're fertile and when you're not, the rates of failure of contraceptions are actually higher than, and I haven't checked those for quite a while, not since I I wrote a book called Contraception Deception, and the rates were really high. And contraceptives do fail and that's something we don't talk a lot about and it's often blamed on consumer compliance or consumer use when a contraception fails but the other challenge is that it can't ever be a one-size-fits-all in terms of even a dose or how something works in the body it's we don't know how contraception actually works until you are using it for you so that whether that's the pill or the marina whatever or even the implanon we don't know how your body will respond to that until you actually have it present which makes it really difficult to to give these accurate predictions nothing is a hundred percent and we know that uh, whether it's user error or the actual method fails in itself so it's not easy i don't think that you can compare synthetic contraception with fertility awareness that they're worlds apart but it's nice to have something that we can say is extremely effective that gives you peace of mind and isn't um, requiring you to have synthetic hormones or an implant because a lot of women don't want that and a lot of women have crazy symptoms to that now granted in the clinic i don't see those women they're not my you know i don't see the woman that loves her life with her marina because why would you come and see me and go, hi, Nat, I love my life with my marina? I'd be like, well, that's amazing. You know, I'm only seeing the women that are having trouble with that. And so I guess my view is slightly skewed when it comes to the impacts that, that contraception is having on women. Having said that, a lot of women will say to me when they transition off synthetic hormones, oh, my goodness, I didn't know what it was like to be me. I didn't know this feeling ever because they've been on the pill potentially since they were 16 or 17. They've never had the opportunity to experience the ebbs and flows of their body. Um, The pill definitely alters our senses. It changes the way that we uh, are in our pheromones. And, you know, there's arguments to say pheromones do and don't exist, but there is evidence to say that, that it does change the way that we see the world. And so that becomes a big factor, I think, for women as well, for many, many reasons. So it is you know, whilst we can say it's it's a another option for women when it comes to knowing their fertility and to um, be able to conceive or not, it to me is worlds apart from other um, methods just for all those factors that we've shared. Oh, 100%. I mean, there's no side effects or sort of risks to your health, um, which we see with every other method. I know even the copper IUD, which is often sort of looked toward when a woman doesn't want any hormonal method, but like you, obviously we only see people that have issues with it, but I hear so many issues with the copper IUD, whether it's heavy bleeding or um, inflammation in the I uterus think, yeah. and all of those sorts of things. A hundred percent. If there's issues of, um, or history of thyroid issues, yeah. the IUD, the copper IUD can often be a really big problem. The copper element of or component of the copper IUD sucks the living daylights out of your zinc levels for women. That can be really problematic as well. But also my biggest concern is that implants need an exit strategy always. And that's not often discussed at the time where you are fitted with a marina or an copper IUD. They're not supposed to be in there forever. And what might happen is that they can either stop working, they can migrate, they can cause a lot of other issues. And so I'm not here to say you shouldn't have a copper IUD or a marina, 
but I want you to be able to have rec- have it regularly checked to make sure it's in the right position. And, you know, some women can go years without that happening only to find out that it's moved to some other part of their body, which is horrific, and that can cause other issues too. So, I mean, I know I'm not speaking about the majority, but these things do happen. And I think, again, for us as women, taking responsibility of our health is really important, not necessarily relying on or waiting for someone to tell us when something is wrong, but monitoring. And that's what obviously fertility awareness is doing is monitoring your body every single day. So if you do have an an implant or you are on the pill, I think having regular checkups, regular blood tests, analyzing your signs and symptoms to really know is very, very important. And it's just not spoken of. Yeah, definitely. And just, I think constantly asking like, is this method actually working for me outside of just you know, whether it's the goal is wanting to avoid pregnancy or, you know, symptom management or something else, you know, are there other downfalls and pitfalls? I think acknowledging those and sort of constantly checking in about those is a good idea too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so what about someone that has an irregular cycle, maybe either has PCOS or hasn't been diagnosed, but has an irregular cycle, can they still use something like DAISY? It's a great question. Daisy will work so long as your cycles are somewhere between 19 to 40 days, which is pretty awesome because there are a lot of people that have hormone imbalances, but they're still getting a period within 40 days of the last. If you have PCOS and you that person that gets a cycle that's within 40 days, then totally you can absolutely use Daisy. And if you don't, then I would always encourage anybody to try and work to get their cycles back first. It's no point doing that if you're not even cycling. And there's a reason that you aren't cycling and getting to the bottom of that first and foremost is is extremely important. Um, So, you know, so long as you sit within these, these parameters, then you can definitely use the daisy. So that might also be women who are breastfeeding or you've recently come off hormone contraception. You know, people say, when do I start? I've been on the pill for 10 years. When do I start? I always want to ask, have you been off before and did your cycle return? Because that's a fairly reasonable indication of what hopefully will happen. And if the answer is yes, and they know that, then cool, you can start to use it the minute you are not on the pill anymore. And it might take a little while for your cycles to kind of find their groove again, but you can definitely, you want that information. Daisy wants as much information for as long as she can to really work all of these things out. So you can start as soon as that you are hormone free, synthetic hormone free. But the PCOS side is a difficult one because it is a tricky uh, syndrome. And, you know, I take great joy in helping women every day to get their cycles back to, to something that they can obviously then use or be able to track and see. And the, the, the nice thing for women with PCOS is they are more likely to have these ovulation attempts each month. And so Daisy will show that in, in the shifts that, that Daisy um, represents in your chart. So you'll be able to nicely track that as well. Yeah, beautiful. And like you mentioned earlier, it's nice to have that data to look back on. Say if you are having it within that 19 to 40 day window and you start working with, say, someone like yourself, you're actually able to really see those improvements as well in your charts, which is lovely. So good. And it's so just easy. You know, I mean, once upon a time, women would come in with pages and pages and pages of charts. I mean, like, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. And, you know, to be able to just look at an app and scroll across is is really cool. And it analyzes all of that for you, I think is so easy. I can see why women wouldn't have wanted to, you know, use fertility awarenesses until we have had all of these advances in technology, because it was laborsome. And if you forgot a day or, you know, for whatever reason, you didn't 
I don't know, you weren't vibing it, it was almost like you were starting again. Mm. Whereas that doesn't happen with a daisy. You can have a break and come back. And, you know, not that I would encourage you to do that, but it will still learn, pick up and continue to learn you from that point. So it, it is, um, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it really is. It definitely is. I'm a big fan and I'm always recommending them in clinic to clients if they're looking for another method. I just wanted to uh, say if there's anything else that you wanted to add to the conversation and certainly where people can find out more about you and the DAISY. Yeah, absolutely. So um, DAISY, you need to make sure you're going to the correct website. It's DAISY Australia or daisyau.com.au and DAISY Australia on Instagram. So we recently have become the new distributors and for that reason, there's a new website. So often people go to the incorrect website and they'll come back and they'll say, it's sold out. And we'll say, no, you're on the wrong website. Um, so make sure you're using the right the right socials and website. And me, I'm Nat Kringudis across all channels, whether it's Instagram, my website, um, wherever you can find a social platform. I'm generally Nat Kringudis. There's not any other Nat Kringudises, which sounds ridiculous, but there aren't. So it makes it really easy for you to find me. But I just, I really love having conversations, especially on Instagram with people. So that's the best place to really hang out and ask questions I find. And, and I think the nice thing about that is that often your questions are somebody else's questions. So you get to help the collective, which is what we're all here to do. 100%. I'll pop all of those links in the show notes. And I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Of course. Thank you again so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.